Hello and welcome to Ready, Set, Retire, an audio guide packed with information to help you achieve a successful retirement. I'm your co-host, John McComb, with more than half a century of award-winning broadcasting experience. It's my pleasure to join Lori Pinkowski every two weeks for Ready, Set, Retire. Lori is an award-winning and highly respected senior portfolio manager and investment advisor at Canaccord Genuity. She has been successfully managing retirement portfolios for over two decades. We're here to talk about everything from financial and estate planning to travel, hobbies and health matters, and so much more. Whether you're thinking about your retirement or already living your retirement dreams, Ready, Set, Retire is for you. And Lori, throughout the last few months, interest rates have been a very hot topic that's remained in the headlines as the Bank of Canada and the Fed try to tame inflation. One industry that is heavily impacted by rising interest rates, of course, is the real estate industry. During the height of pandemic, we saw a dramatic acceleration in home price growth that we haven't seen in a very long time. The result was a hot housing market and a nation of people wondering when the Bank of Canada plans to increase rates. Yeah, you know, Canadians have enjoyed low rates for the past decade, but even more so since the onset of the pandemic, when the Bank of Canada responded with rate cuts, of course, trying to stabilize the economy and what was happening at that time. But you fast forward to March of this year, and they started to increase rates. I mean, when they were talking in 2020, one about inflation, they were talking that it was transitory in nature. Uh, at least that's what the U.S. Fed said. And uh, of course, we're learning it's not transitory. And of course, the invasion of Ukraine by Russia also increased inflation. And all of that combined at the same time caused central banks around the world to get aggressive, let's say, with increasing interest rates. And the Bank of Canada has raised interest rates four times since the beginning of the year. And the last rate increase was by one percentage point, which was a a supersized increase. And many homeowners with mortgages that are variable, or if you have a line of credit, You know, I think that some people are going to start finding this difficult in terms of how to go about this environment, how to navigate it properly and and what to expect out of the housing market as well going into uh, the next few months and year. And so I'm happy to say that we've got a guest uh, on our show today. Absolutely. This week on Ready, Set, Retire, we're joined by Paula Siemens. Paula is a senior mortgage broker at Invis, the Siemens Group. As a mortgage professional with over 32 years of experience, she has broad and extensive knowledge in the mortgage and real estate industry. That allows her to provide clients with the most comprehensive mortgage solution. She prides herself on providing professional, ethical, and honest advice with a high level of customer service to all her clients. Exactly. I mean, most of us know that the real estate industry is always evolving due to many different economic factors that influence it. And, you know, what we've seen, the change in the housing market softening to a certain degree in the past few months here in the lower mainland. And that's why it's important to have someone who's right in there in terms of mortgages right now and be able to shed some light and share their knowledge and expertise with us, especially over the past 32 years. Paula's gone through a lot and seen a lot. So we're really happy to have her here to help us navigate today's mortgage environment. And Paula, 
Welcome to Ready, Set, Retire. We appreciate you joining us. Oh, thanks for having me, John and Lori. Tell me, uh, how has the real estate market changed just over the last two years or so? For me, my experience was that a lot of clients actually pushed their real estate uh, movements forward. Many people may have had a dream about getting a second home or, you know, eventually buying a home, what have you. And I think with the lockdown in March 2020 to June 2020, People got a little squirrely in their small apartments. Um, Restaurants were closed. Gyms were closed. And all of a sudden, they started to focus on quality of life and realizing that what they were currently doing in terms of their housing wasn't working for them any longer. So many people moved away from their current community. And that also was exasperated by the fact that people were working from home. So all of a sudden, you have two people working from home, gets a bit difficult to maybe both be on Zoom calls in the same condo, maybe you didn't have a balcony. And all of a sudden, the need was for space. And so we found a lot of people from Vancouver moving to the Sunshine Coast, moving to the island, Vancouver people moving to Squamish, Squamish people moving to Nelson, like everybody was moving for more space. And so while I don't think that that was necessarily in their original plans, it definitely got pushed forward. So a lot of our transactions were also, the numbers were really high. There was a huge demand because everybody was doing it once versus normally you would have people making these changes as life happens. And COVID basically just concentrated that and you had everybody moving at the same time. So smaller towns have been really impacted because they're the communities that people move to. And obviously you have people with a Vancouver mentality of what prices should be moving to a smaller town. They're prepared to pay a little bit more than maybe the locals. And so you find a lot of people being priced out of their own marketplace and having to then they have to now move even if they don't want to. So it's sort of that cycle that took place over the last two years. And in my 30 something years, I've never seen quite the movement of bodies compared to the last two years. Yeah, it's a, it was an amazing time for change. Uh, I think we all saw that in, in so many different ways. And what I saw is a, a lot of retirees looked at selling their home in the lower mainland that shot up in price to, again, take advantage of a better retirement and move to places like the Okanagan or the island or wherever they were going to go. So definitely saw that with our clients as well. And so how has the recent rate hikes impacted borrowers, potential home buyers, as well as possibly retirees that that you've seen? The biggest impact is obviously new applications. It's with the um, new stress test number that we have to qualify people at. So currently, for most major banks, they're qualifying at about seven and a quarter percent. Some monolines, which are lenders that only do mortgages, they may be something closer to 6.59%. But that's a huge jump from what we did have, which was five and a quarter for the longest time. So we are finding that people's qualification is down by roughly 18% compared to, say, February, March. And people are just, unfortunately, they can't find the housing prices haven't adjusted to the same degree. So they're still stuck and they still can't necessarily be qualified for what they're hoping for. 
At the same time, people with variable rate mortgages, lines of credit, as you mentioned, their payments are going up because they've realized a, a significant increase and that's starting to impact them. The average variable where the payment adjusts with each change has gone up $100 for every $100,000 that they have outstanding in their mortgage. So if they're on a 25-year amortization, it's all relative, obviously, to their, their amortization. But I do have clients now call, contacting me and saying, hmm, my payment keeps going up. Should I be locking in? And so, yeah, I mean, so we are exploring that with each and every client on a case-by-case. We hear a lot about, and you mentioned this, the stress test uh, when talking about mortgages. So what exactly is a stress test and how does that impact borrowers? Yeah, so the stress test was created by the federal government in 2016, and it was designed so that people couldn't get too ahead of themselves. And it was to basically create this forced level of affordability if the rate went up by 2%. And so the Bank of Canada sets the mortgage qualification rate, which is still sitting at five and a quarter percent. That hasn't changed. But the policy is you must be qualified at the face rate on the mortgage plus two percent or the mortgage qualification rate, whichever is greater. And so as you can imagine, you know, rates were in the ones uh, only a short period of time ago, and people were being qualified at five and a quarter, but now they're being qualified at seven and a quarter. So it may need to be modified, to be honest, but right now there's no movement on that at this time. It's been uh, two weeks since the Bank of Canada announced a 1% supersized rate hike. So are you noticing a different kind of behavior from clients due to where rates are at today? And, And are you seeing that some people are actually being turned down now because of this stress test and having to qualify for over 7% now? Yes, I I am seeing that there's more applications that aren't meeting the stress test. And so that is resulting in a decline or a cutback significantly of the mortgage amount. So people are being impacted right now quite a bit in terms of their qualification. We do see some lenders also modifying their ratios. So everybody is qualified using what's called the gross debt service ratio and the total debt service ratio. And essentially, the gross debt service ratio encompasses your mortgage payment, property taxes, strata fees, and heat, if applicable. And then the total debt service ratio includes all of those housing costs, plus any kind of fixed debt payments. Some lenders are now announcing that they're cutting their total debt service ratio qualification down to 42% of allowable income to be used, where it was 44%. So we are finding some lenders becoming a little bit more conservative as well there's not like a big wave, but you do see the odd announcement where they're starting to cut back either their loan to value, which is the maximum amount that they will grant in a mortgage compared to the home's value, or they may be amending ratios to make it even more conservative because they're a bit worried about what might happen. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how quickly things change, you know, when you think of six months ago compared to today. So uh, that's definitely a great insight. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. How would you advise somebody who is uh, looking for a mortgage as they may need to buy soon? What should they be thinking about? How can you help them out? Yeah, I think with every individual person, you need to look at their circumstances. So if it was myself, I probably would go into a variable rate mortgage. We have some really great rates still, even though the rate has gone up quite a bit. 
And I would probably position myself to revisit it in 2025, maybe 2024. For others, though, that are on a very tight budget, affordability is a huge concern. I would probably recommend that they just take the bite, take the five year as it is today, and just know what their payments are going to be for the next five years so that they are not putting them in a position where they can't afford their new home in a, you know, a year or two. So it depends. But for myself, I would probably go into a new variable. Does that mean then that you think that interest rates are going to start to come back down? They'll probably come down. In fact, they're coming down right now. What we're finding is that the bond market feels that the Bank of Canada has maybe overshot or has been perhaps a bit too aggressive. And now they're concerned about maybe a recession happening. So the bond market is actually coming down a tiny bit. And so with that, we're finding some lenders. It's not that the market has changed, but we're finding that individual lenders are pricing their mortgages at a lower rate. So with a major bank, you may not see a change, but with a monoline that just does mortgages and does mortgages on an insured basis, we're seeing rates now as low as 474, but that's like on a limited rate sale. But that only happens because the bond market has priced in potential slowdown and re- recession. So the latest economists forecast that I have seen is that they feel that in 2024, things might start to come down a bit. But to what level? That's the question we don't know. Like, it comes down, but from where? So, you know, that I don't know. For us too, looking at um, interest rates and, and where the economy is headed. I mean, we've got so much data to look through and that's being thrown at us. I mean, I think the idea is that rates are still moving higher. The central banks are still in aggressive mode. But just like you said, as well as overshoot, I often say they overshoot on, on, on both sides, whether it's stimulus or in terms of tightening. And they often make mistakes that they have to correct, unfortunately. And uh, us as uh, consumers are kind of at the whim of the central banks. And so I agree with you that I think they are going to overshoot this, but they had to front load interest rates and do these kind of bigger hikes to try and get inflation under control. And we are seeing some data that would be pointing towards that inflation has peaked. And if it has, then, you know, even though rates will continue to move higher, maybe for the remainder of this year, maybe not as aggressive as they have been. So that's the catalyst we're looking for as well uh, in our industry. And and the other thing I'll comment on is you said that you would likely go variable at this time. And yeah, I agree with you. I think that each personality is different. But even for myself, like I have to renew in Summerland in October and I'm going, you know, I'm going to likely go variable just because, again, they can't raise rates at this level forever. This is for now, not forever. And I think that's important for people to to digest. Yeah, absolutely. And if I could just add one real, real quick thing, the bond market basically dictates what's happening in the longer term. And so the bond market is always trying to gauge where things are going. They're always looking far ahead. And so we could end up in a situation where we get into an inverted market where Bank of Canada is continuing to raise rates because they feel that they need to be very strict with this. They want us to stop our spending and what have you. But then the bond market's fearful of the recession. So those yields are actually going down. So all of a sudden, your long-term rates are actually lower than your short-term rates. 
And we've been seeing that in recent weeks, and that's why I think markets have been stabilizing too. We've just been seeing bond yields quite a bit lower from their peak uh, a few weeks ago. So I agree with you there, and a lot of data coming at people. And this is, again, why we've got you on the show and why we want to talk about these topics so that people start to understand what's happening out there. So in your view, is this a bad time to be purchasing or refinancing given the higher rates that we're seeing, or, or how do you feel about that? I don't really feel that there's ever a bad time per se in the market. I think it you time it based on what your needs are. Life happens to people. So people will be moving, they will be buying, they will be selling, and it just always happens that way. There will be some people who potentially get into some hot water and, and need to sell. And so you may find that you either have a much greater level of supply and therefore, you can find a better property that perhaps you haven't been able to access for the last five years, just simply because the supply has been limited. Real estate's a long-term game. And if you found the perfect place, but you weren't sure if the price was going to go down, and this type of property doesn't come up very often, I would say buy it. You know, it's going to be a long-term hold, and it's going to probably appreciate over the course of time in the next 5, 10, 20, 30 years, depending on what your time horizon is. So I think there's also going to be some opportunities for waiting a bit, it's, you know, so I'm sort of of the mindset that you don't necessarily try to time the market. You look at each real estate transaction separately. If the numbers work for you, and if it meets your needs, then go for it. And I think that we've already seen some price decline in the lower mainland, 10 to 15%, depending on the area. So, you know, I think that's important to note as well. And, and again, whether you're buying a, a property for a roof over your head or whether you're buying, you know, properties as investments, I think that's also something that one needs to determine whether now is a good time or, or waiting a little bit. But but again, I think we'll see probably a little bit more softening in the real estate market in the in the months to come. I'm looking forward to perhaps finding some good price reductions in certain areas so that perhaps I can add to my real estate portfolio. So, yep, I agree. I'm, I'm just taking a, a moment to step back and, and watch to see what happens. Great idea. Paula, in your opinion, should people be converting their variable rate to a fixed rate with the expectation of more rate hikes in the future? Typically, my advice is no, because as soon as you convert into the fixed rate, you are baking in those increases. So right now, for example, many people on a variable rate might be priced at about prime less 1%. So currently, that's 3.7%. If they converted with a major financial institution, they would be locking in somewhere between five and a quarter, 5.45 versus if the Bank of Canada goes up another 1%, which we expect they will, their eventual rate will end up going up to 4.7 because they are currently at 3.7. So typically my advice is no, stay the course perhaps look at increasing your payments if you're concerned about getting into negative amortization, if you can afford to do so, but just stay the course. I have a question, actually. I was talking to clients recently and they were talking about they had a variable rate, but fixed payment or something. And so uh, can you maybe just touch on that? Yeah. Every institution has a variable that operates slightly different. So there's two camps. One is where the payment changes with each and every prime change. So during increases, your 
payments going up, obviously decreases going down. And that's to ensure that you're staying on the amortization that was originally selected. Other lenders just keep a steady payment. So for when the interest rates go up, basically you're in a situation where your amortization is potentially, well, it is increasing slightly. You're, you're not going to have as much principal reduction with each and every payment. And so you'll start to slowly increase your amortization. So uh, a lender like TD has the product where the payment stays constant. And then they do have what's called a trigger rate that if your rate gets up to that level, they'll contact you to make adjustments to your payments. I see. Okay. Yeah. I think that's also important when people are choosing variable. It's not always just that your your payments are going to go up every time, you know, mortgage rates go up and that uh, there may be this kind of gray area that may actually suit some people better. So that's good to know. So there are people who have worked for years and years directly with their bank and always the mortgage broker at the bank. And I've often recommended that clients seek out mortgages from mortgage brokers. And maybe you could kind of shed light on what the difference is and why that can be beneficial. Yeah, absolutely. So a representative that deals with the, just the one institution, they're an employee of the institution. We usually refer to them as mortgage sales force people for the various banks. They'll be mobile and all of that, but they can only offer the one set of products and they have the one set of policies and, and what have you. A mortgage broker is independent from any one institution and they can offer not only other institutions product lines, but in addition, they can offer options that aren't available in the Schedule A banking sector. So we have basically three levels of financing. We have your bricks and mortar, Schedule A banks, uh, credit unions, that type of thing. And then we have alternative lenders that are meant to go to for either short-term hiccups, such as credit blemishes, or you just don't qualify right now. Maybe you're a newly self-employed person and you don't have your two-year track record. You just don't quite cut the stress test from the Schedule A banks. And that lender fills an important niche because the person can't get qualified at the bank, but they can get qualified at the alternative lender category. The rates are just slightly higher, but the broker can offer that as a good solution when you don't meet the stress test. And then there's also private financing, which is much more flexible than the other two. So by going to a mortgage broker, first of all, you're being told exactly what your options are, and you're also being shown how to get to where you want to go. So often, if a client application doesn't meet the normal stress test, I'll ask them, where do you want to go? Like, what are you trying to achieve? And give me some examples, send me some examples, listings of where what you'd like to be able to afford. And I'll show you how I can make that happen for you. And then it's going to be up to you as to whether or not that's a good fit, or it's not a good fit. But at least you know what your options are. Exactly. You know, I always think why mortgage brokers are better to deal with is that you can shop the market and really give your clients the full gamut of what's going on out there and and all the different options from all the different institutions. And I think that in itself is very valuable for clients or people looking to, uh, to get a mortgage. So Paula, how are mortgage brokers paid and does it add to my cost when I'm uh, buying a house? And what are the fees associated with your services? So most mortgage brokers are paid by the lender that they're placing the mortgage with, especially if we're dealing with the 
tier one schedule a type of lender the lender will have a finder's fee it will be based on the term selected and the mortgage amount and effectively the brokering service is free to the client Sometimes when we are dealing with the alternative A lender, there will be a small fee for the lender, but then the lender will pay the mortgage broker. And then sometimes there'll be a solution that there is no payment for the broker and the broker can arrange an agreement with you to work on your behalf, but charge a fee for service. And usually the broker will outline what they need to do and the client can agree whether or not they want to engage the broker under that agreement. So often discussions on mortgages revolve around rates. So what are the current market rates for variable and fixed rate mortgages? I think you mentioned 4.7 or 3.7. Is that what it is right now? I'm just looking at my latest rate sale. So on a variable, it's primeless 1% on something that is insured or insurable. And it is 4.59 on a rate sale for a five-year fixed. And on an uninsurable mortgage, the variable is prime less 0.5% and roughly five and a quarter percent for the five-year fix. Maybe you could just touch on insurable and uninsurable again for our listeners. Sure. So the federal government made changes and they basically created different buckets of money that the lenders could pull from. So the first category is insured. That means that the client is paying for the insurance premium to have like a CMHC or Sajin or Canada Guarantee backed mortgage. The client pays an insurance premium that's added to their mortgage and they basically get the cheapest form of money. The next category is insurable where you may have an existing mortgage and you're transferring it from one institution. As long as you don't touch that mortgage, often that mortgage will be considered insurable where the lender pays the insurance premium on your behalf and you also get the cheapest form of money. And then the last category includes things like refinances, rental properties, 30-year amortizations, All of those transactions cannot use any form of insured money any longer. And so we call them uninsurable. And you won't see the same rate sales in that category as you do in the insured category. So there's different tiers, essentially. And that's where retirees actually get impacted the most. Because typically, their homes are worth over a million. If they do want to do a refinance, they may or may not be wanting a 30-year to keep their payment really low. And they're often surprised that, why am I not getting this rate that I see on a rate sale? And I have to explain to them, it's, well, because your transaction is considered an uninsurable transaction. So I, I can't give you access to those funds. So that's important to know because I'm dealing with so many retirees. I often get questions like this. So uh, again, thanks for your insight. And just to wrap things up, the real estate environment can be tricky to navigate, especially during times when the economy and interest rates are undergoing significant changes, Lori. Yeah, you know, when you're thinking about a major decision like buying or selling a home, This also goes for, you know, I've talked a lot about um, our clients or retirees gifting to adult children to make their first purchase of a home. And these are things you want to consider where mortgage rates are, the affordability, can the person you're gifting the down payment to pay for the payments? And I'm sure you've come across that as well, Paula. 
And so I think that going forward, it's just really important that you have that expertise and knowledge of a mortgage broker. And again, thanks, Paula, for being on our show today. I know that this information is very valuable to us here in BC. And any questions that you have, you can always contact us or you can contact Paula as well at 604-351-7438 or paula at siemensgroup.ca. And thanks again, Paula, for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. Before you run off, we always uh, like to wrap up Ready, Set, Retire with a quote. What do you have for us this week? The quote that I have on my wall in my office is, we must all suffer one of two things, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret by Jim Rohn. Ah, perfect. Perfect for the, perfect for the circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, Paula. We appreciate your time very much. Thank you so much. Okay, take care. You too. And Lori, I will catch up with you in a couple of weeks. Looking forward to it as always, John. That's all for this week's edition of Ready, Set, Retire. If you're interested in learning more or have any questions, please don't hesitate to call Lori and her team at Pinkowski Wealth Management, 604-695-LORI. 604-695-5674. For Lori Pinkowski, I'm John McComb. Thanks for listening and join us again in two weeks for another edition of Ready, Set, Retire.